So we've been going through the Anchor series um, the last few weeks. Uh, basically, anchors were an early symbol uh, for the church for following Christ. Uh, as you know, an anchor is on a ship. The ship throws its anchor in the water, hooks on the rocks and the sand below, and it stops for the ship from drifting off in the currents and, and being dashed on the rocks. And so we anchor ourselves in Christ. Uh, so Hebrews 6:19, the hope is strong and trustworthy. And trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. So over the past several weeks, we've been anchoring ourselves in the catechism. Now, the catechism is a long Christianese word that we use, and a lot of people don't know what that means. So basically what it is, is a catechism is a summary of doctrine and serves as a learning introduction to the sacraments traditionally used in Christian religious teaching of children and adult converts through a series of questions and answers. Now, that's a, a big mouthful of words, right? So basically, in simple language, it's a biblical training through questions and answers. Biblical training goes a long way back in Judaism. In fact, still to this day, the Jews practice what they call the Shema. Uh, they recite prayers daily. In fact, they have them even written on little uh, parchments, and they keep them on the arms and on the foreheads. And uh, daily, they practice them from Deuteronomy and Numbers. Um, in Deuteronomy 6, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. So the first creed we had in the early church was Jesus is Lord. All right? He's the Lord of our lives, and we surrendered unto him. But it's very important what you believe about God, what your theology is about God. <clears throat> um, if you believe that God is angry, and then you're going to live your life in fear. You know, I always did that when I first got saved. I always thought God was this big old guy up there in the sky that had a big stick, and every time I stepped out of line, he's going to whack me, all right? Because that's what I understood a father to be. I had a very strict father, and that's what I thought God was like. And so I had a wrong view of what God is like. If you believe God is distant, then you're going to believe that God doesn't care. And again, I had that whole thought in my life that I was one of the kids right at the back of the line of all God's children, and every now and then he looked down and see me at the back of the line Pat me on the back. Oh, you're still there, Kevin. Right? But I just felt he was far, so far distant, he didn't see me often, which is, again, a lie. However, if you believe that God is present and loving, you're going to trust he's working within you, and you're going to believe that there's purpose to all your pain. Right? I went through a lot in life. I've been through the thick and the thin. I think I lived three lifetimes before I was even 18. <laughs> But I learned a lot through my pain, and it's because I've given it all to Jesus, and through that I've learned to be a better man and a better person, and I trust him and what he's doing, and still working in my life and, and bringing me to fullness. So the catechism is a way of theological training, and an opinion points to two ideas. Why Jesus is worthy of being Lord, and is Jesus Lord of your life? All right? So we've been going through the Westminster Shorter Catechism. It's a series of 107 questions and answers. We're not going to go through all 107 questions. It'll take us well over two years to get through it. Uh, but we have been looking at a few of them. It comes from um, the Catechism in the Church of Scotland, England, and Ireland in 1648. So let's review what we have done so far. The week one, we looked at question one. It's what is the chief end of man? The answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. God created us for relationship, and he wants us to enjoy that relationship with him in eternity. Second week, 
we looked at question 18. How did mankind become sinful? Basically, we looked at Adam's sin and, and our own sin, right? But what is sin? If you had to picture a target and you had the bullseye, and bullseye is God's righteousness, if you're aiming at that target and you miss, that's sin, right? We want to hit the target and hit, hit his righteousness all the time and not to sin. The week after that, we looked at question 27. In what ways was Christ humiliated within his own creation? The answer to that was his birth to poor people under the law with miseries under God's wrath, being crucified and suffering unto death. Basically, God, the most awesome, all-powerful being, sent his son to become a mere child on this earth, to grow up as we do, to go through what we go through. You know that of all mammals on earth, humans are the most helpless at birth. You're just lying, stick food, right? <laughs> Other animals are born, they jump up, and they run around, they're ready in case a lion comes, they're ready to take off. You know, they can do stuff. Jesus chose to come as a helpless child and to go through the miseries that we go through in life and suffer all the wrath and the pain that he did so we can have freedom. Question 30, how does the Holy Spirit apply to believers? By working faith in us and leading us into our calling with gifts. Right? The Holy Spirit is continually working in us. He's the one who builds faith in us. What is faith? Faith is believing in something you cannot see. All right? So it's things like miracles or just understanding that you believe that this is going to happen and you know that God's going to step in and do things for you. Uh, I'll give you a good example. When we were in uh, Malaysia, we had a little, small little car. It could barely fit us in it, these big Americans. It was made for Asian people. And my kids were teenagers, and they kept fighting in the back seat, and like, this is my space, don't touch me, and I was just going crazy, right? And I know the Lord said that he provides for all your needs, and we needed a new car. And so I said, all right, God, in faith, I'm going to go back home, and I'm going to write to all our supporters and ask if they can maybe give money towards a car. And we knew someone that was leaving, and they had a, a minivan for $8,000. It was a lot of money for us as missionaries. I said, if anybody wanted to give towards that, we would really be grateful. Well, two weeks later, my wife comes hollering off. Actually, before that, somebody wrote us, about after five hours of sending the email, wrote us back to buy the car, the money's on the way. Now, we knew this couple. You know, they, they didn't have much. They lived in the same town as we did. And, you know, $8,000 would be a lot for anybody. But we thank God for them. We praise the Lord. Two weeks later, early in the morning, Robin, Robin comes running in the room. Hallelujah, praise Jesus. And gives me a heart attack, like, what's going on, you know? So they gave us $63,600. Right? We only wanted 8,000. <laughs> but God started to build faith in us as missionaries because we didn't know sometimes where the next check was going to come from. But God was just showing, hey, I can do whatever. Within one year as a missionary, we made $100,000 because God is awesome. And he started to build faith in us. So that's how the Holy Spirit works in us in faith. Next week, we looked at question 38. What benefits do believers receive from Christ at the resurrection? At the resurrection, believers will be openly acknowledged and acquitted in the day of judgment and made perfectly blessed and joined God into all eternity. Basically, we're all going to croak, all right? We all get born and we all kick the bucket. And one day when we die, if you know Jesus, you're going to be resurrected back unto life and into eternity with him, all right? We're all going to face the judgment seat of God when we get resurrected, and from there he's going to separate us out. And if you believe in Jesus, his son, you will spend eternity with God. So we will all be re resurrected again. And that gets to this week's question, question 58. 
What is required in the fourth commandment? The answer is, the fourth commandment requires a keeping holy to God such set times as he has appointed in his word, expressly one whole day in seven, to be a holy Sabbath unto himself. So what is a Sabbath? Sabbath basically means rest. Okay? Who wouldn't like more rest? I know I would. Right? What is rest? Is it physical? Rest? Is it mind, body, and emotions? How do you define rest? You know, I work in sales, and it's a super stressful job. I don't particularly like sales, but that's where God has me. Right? And last year, they had a quarter for us to bring in $6 million of net revenue for the company. We exceeded that. They treated us to a nice little get-together for our sales kickoff this year in Florida on a yacht and got together with everyone. And then they told us that they've upped our quota this year to $16 million. Right? Talk about stress. We barely made it over $6 million in net res, and now we've got to make $16 million this year. Not only that, they have my territory. They upped my quota 250%. And in a real tough marketplace and economy right now, they expect me to make those numbers. Now, that's a lot of stress. <laughs> How do I find rest in that stress? So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Typically in the Jewish culture, the Sabbath starts on the sixth, uh, at sunset on the sixth day, uh, which is a Saturday for the, uh, Friday for them, and it goes into the Saturday until sunset on Saturday. All right, and that'll be their Sabbath. Uh, this church that we, the building we're using, is a seven-day Adventist church. They believe their Sabbath is on a Saturday as well. That's why they have church on Saturdays, and we're able to rent the building on a Sunday. Now, typically, people work a five to six-day work week, and then you know they believe that there's one day left for the Sabbath. And that's your day of rest. And that's why most churches have services on a Sunday, because they figure people work from Monday to Saturday, and Sunday we do a day of Sabbath. It's a holy day, and we spend it together, like we do in this morning, uh, spending time in God's Word and with each other in fellowship. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be a Sunday, right? I worked shift work in South Africa. I used to work at a, uh, as a shift foreman in a steel, steel mill. And um, I had some odd shifts, and so I'd only get days off during the week sometimes, and every second or third day I'd be changing shifts, so it was crazy. But as long as I took one day out of the seven to spend time and make it a day of rest and a holy day unto the Lord, it was good. So don't think it has to be just on a Sunday. So why do you think that this commandment to rest on the Sabbath was given to us? Well, the answer is already up on the slide. I jumped the slides too quick, right? On the seventh day, God himself rested. When he had finished creation... He created the world and everything and the universe and everything there is in there. And on the seventh day, he rested. And he declared that a holy day. All right, so because God did it, we want to do that too. Because God knows the importance of rest. So let's go and look at the fourth commandment. We read it this morning as our scripture reading. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. All right, so that's part of the Ten Commandments. That's the fourth commandment that we're looking at this morning. God told us to rest.
However, he was really serious about this commandment, right? So serious that if you do not obey it, obey that commandment, you'd be put to death. In Exodus 31, 12 to 15, then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come. So you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Whoever does any work on that day must be cut off from his people. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day must be put to death. I'll tell you what, if I lived back in the Old Testament days, I wouldn't have lived very long. Right? <laughs> there was just so many laws and regulations um, I mean, if you sinned, you had to go and slaughter one of your lambs as a sacrifice for your sins, an atonement of your sins. I would have been a poor man, and I probably wouldn't have lived long because I probably would have messed up something along the line. I mean, done out, right? But thankfully, we don't have to worry about that. Why is that? Because Jesus came as the fulfillment of the law, right? In Matthew five seventeen. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. But does that mean we do not obey the laws anymore? Absolutely not, right? Jesus came as a fulfillment of the, uh, of the laws. So let's look at what Jesus says about the Sabbath in the New Testament. Ooh, I don't know if you can read that. It's a bit small. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain, the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now you've got to understand back in the days if people lived by the religious laws of the Old Testament, right? You had the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which are the religious leaders of the day. I call them the wooden seas and the couldn't seas, all right? They were just blind to the truth. But they were so down by the law that anything that caused a burden was considered work. So even to this day, a lot of the Jewish people will not even get into an elevator and push the button because pushing the button is a burden and it's, a, it's, a, it's considered work. All right? And so they've taken it to the extremes. And now Jesus' disciples are walking with Jesus and they were hungry and they're walking through grain fields and they're picking some grain to eat because they were hungry. Now, picking grain was a burden. That's what you did during the week when you're tilling your fields. You, you, you're harvesting the grain, right? And so they were technically working on the Sabbath so they should have been put to death according to the law. Jesus telling, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus said, I am the Sabbath. Right? So he was basically telling the Pharisees and the Sadducees to go and jump in a lake. <clears throat> He's a rebel. I like Jesus when he was really rebelling against those guys. He's called them whitewashed walls and root of vipers and whatnot. He did not like the religious spirit because we were made for freedom in him, right? All right, so the Sabbath was made for man and Jesus is the Lord of Sabbath. So now that we have a biblical basis for the Sabbath, 
Um, let's look into why and how we are to embrace the day of rest. Let's look at the why first. Not only is it a command, but Jesus is, truly, is Jesus truly the Lord of your life? Right? If Jesus is the Lord and you love him with all your heart, mind, and strength, then you're going to surrender unto him and surrender unto what he has asked us to do. He's asked us to take a day of Sabbath in the fulfillment of the law. So have you made Jesus Lord of your life? Are you going to obey what he says? <clears throat> Excuse me. Secondly, there are health benefits to rest. According to an article in Forbes titled, The Benefits of Resting and How to Unplug in a Busy World, it lists five benefits of rest. It heals your body. It reduces stress. It boosts creativity. It improves productivity. And enhances decision-making. So even the secular, knows that there's ben- secular world knows that there's benefits to rest, right? It heals your body. I mean, when you sprain your ankle, you bandage that thing up, elevate it, and you rest. Why do you rest? Because rest is going to help heal that ankle, right? So it brings, rest is going to bring physical healing to your body. It reduces stress. I told you how much stress I had from my job. If I continue my work all the time and just keep thinking and focusing on work and what quota I've got to meet this year, I'd never have rest, right? That's why we make the rest day a holy day and so that we can get relief from all that stress. It boosts creativity, and we'll look into that a little bit more later. Improves productivity. You know, it's been proven that if people rest, they're actually more productive at work. In fact, in some places in Europe, like Iceland and Belgium and other countries, they only have a four-day work week. And they give the people a three-day weekend because they realize that when they do give the people more time to rest, they come back and they're way more productive than when they work for five days in that week. So I know there's a bill in, in California to make a four-day uh, work week right now. It's been, it was put out in 2021, but I don't know if it'll ever get passed. But we'll see. <laughs> and then also it enhances decision-making. You know, if your mind is so full of clutter, and I know with me, like it has ADHD, my mind is changing gears like a million miles per hour, right? I sometimes get up to go to the kitchen, and I don't even know why I got up to go to the kitchen, because halfway there, I've already had a thousand thoughts, and I get to the kitchen, like, why am I here, right? And so when your mind is so cluttered, it helps to have rest and to get free of all that stress, because then you can be a lot more focused in your decision-making and make some good decisions in life. So then, how do we rest? The Sabbath day is a holy day, right? We have to spend it with the Lord and in His Word. That's why a lot of us are gathered here this morning, because maybe some of us consider Sunday as our, our day of rest and, and Sabbath, and we're spending time in His Word and together, worshiping and having fellowship in His presence. <clears throat> now, not everybody rests on a Sunday. Uh, you know, a lot of pastors do a lot of work on a Sunday, so they probably take a Monday off. I know my pastor in New York used to take Monday off because he was busy on a Sunday preaching and, and dealing with people. But as long as we're taking a day and, and, and sanctifying that as a holy day unto the Lord. But once we finish with church, does that mean the Sabbath day is done? We go off home and continue again? Not necessarily, right? It doesn't have to. We can spend time with family, friends, in fellowship, spend meals, to, uh, spend meals together, encourage one another in the faith. And uh, sometimes you're at church on the last day of the month, we, we go downstairs and we have a meal together to continue fellowshipping and keeping the day holy amongst each other, fellowshipping, checking in with one another. How are you doing? How's your soul? 
What can I pray with you about? Sometimes in the summer we go down to Whiskey Town Lake and we have a barbecue together and just chill and have fun, right? And rest. Get all the stresses of the week off our shoulders and enjoy life. Secondly, we are not to work on the Sabbath. You know, we came from a culture down in Malaysia where we were missionaries for a while. And there's a particular people group there that had the motto in life, you'll rest when you die. Literally, they would work 24-7. They would never take rest. It was all about money. Money, 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 money. You never saw the kids out in the streets after school playing and just being kids. They had to go to piano lessons. They had to go to violin lessons. They had to go to extra math class. I never saw one of those people from that culture in the, in the streets playing after school because their motto was you, work, you rest when you die. Just work, 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 work. And that's not healthy for us. So what is work then? Physical labor, like mowing your lawn or fixing your car, working on lists and Excel sheets for work the next week, anything that's going to engage your mind back into your work, work environment or doing any kind of real physical labor, that's considered work. Your body's not going to rest and you're not going to get the benefits of the rest, right? And I'm guilty of this. <laughs> right? Sometimes I think rest is spending time on my phone for three hours looking at TikToks, <laughs> right? Because then I just veg out. <laughs> And my mind's switched off, and I'm just going to look at stupid things that I could be doing something different with my time that's more creative, that's going to bring rest instead of getting me stressed and looking at some of the stupid things people do on TikTok. <laughs> Have you seen those guys walking on the tall buildings and doing handstands on the edge of a building? My stomach drops right into my shoes, I tell you. It's like people are not right upstairs. <laughs> but you've got to be creative. Find ways that you connect with the Lord. It could be spending quality time with your family. Um, life gets busy, and we may not connect much with each other during the week. The Lord is all about family. The Trinity is a family. You've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're three in one, but they're family, right? God's all about family, so spend time with your family. Get your rest with your family. Um, I often have a, a hard time connecting with people just from the trauma I had as a kid. And so sometimes when we're together on Sundays, we'll play dominoes as a family so I can connect with my family and feel connected and part of the family group. Otherwise, I just go my own way and I go and watch TikToks or something and I'm not connecting. And it's not healthy. It's not restful. So spend time with family. Spend time with each other. Whatever works for you. How do you connect with the Lord and spend time in His presence? What works for you to spend time in God's presence? Personally, I feel close to God when I go for walks in nature. I love God's creation. Because when I look out there and I look at a tree, no man can make that thing. Right? They can try. Only an awesome God made those beautiful trees out there and all the animals and things. When I go on a hike, before my hike, I pray and I ask God to show me something new in his creation I haven't seen before. And I tell you, every time I go on a hike, he shows me something new. Be it a new flower I've never seen, a new wildflower, maybe a new bug I've never seen before, a butterfly, something. And then I'll take pictures of them and go and study up what they are. And, and I, I just, I'm like a walking encyclopedia when we go on hikes. You can ask my family. It's like, what flower is that? Oh, that's an amaryllis. Why, why, why? Because I, I just, it's up here. Because <laughs> I just love my father's creation. I find peace in that and I connect with the Lord through his creation. Sometimes I just go and sit on a hill and I, I watch the wind blowing through the trees. And I start thinking, well, where did the wind come from? And where's it going? Where did it start? God started it, right? 
because he created everything, and by his words and his vibrations of his voice, things happen, and the wind was there. And I'd look at aspen trees, like in Colorado. I still love sitting watching aspen trees. The leaves are just, they're called quaking aspens because the leaves just quake in the wind. And I'd love to watch the different shadows and the different hues and colors in the leaves and stuff and the, the, the white of the bark and listening to the little birds in the, in the trees and trying to identify what birds they are. I just come alive in nature and I can spend time with my father. And I feel his pleasure in me enjoying his creation. Right? So you've got to find ways to bring rest to your soul. That's one of the ways that I rest, spending time with the Lord in nature. Another way that I feel close to the Lord is recreating with Him through art and poetry. You know, when I was a kid and I'd draw anything, it was like a little stick insect. In fact, even when I was an adult, this be a little stick figure when I try and draw something, right? But God knew that I loved His creation so much that 13 years ago, actually it's probably 15 years ago now, I'm getting older, um, when I turned 40, I all of a sudden had a sudden urge to go and be creative. Why? Because rest brings creativity, right? And so I decided to go and buy some paints in Hobby Lobby and go and look on YouTube how to use them and start painting. Well, guess what? I saw my first three paintings in Hollywood. Never been taught art in my entire life, but here all of a sudden I could paint. Why? Because God gave me a gift so that I could give it back to Him. Why? Because I love creating with the Father. I feel His pleasure when my, my paintbrush is on the canvas and we're looking at the things we're creating together. That's a bird I drew. That's a pencil drawing. All right? Never been taught art before, but God gave me that gift because he knew I love his creation. And so when I'm there on the pencil drawing this eagle, the Lord will be speaking to me and say, Kevin, you know why I gave the eagle such good focus? And he'll start talking to me about the focus of an eagle that from a mile high could see a little field mouse in the field. And so they could have sharp focus, just as he wants us to have sharp focus on him and his word. All right? And he'll talk about how an eagle will soar above a storm. It, just, it doesn't have to work hard. It just floats on the air currents. And there could be all hell breaking loose beneath those clouds and the storm going on. But the eagle doesn't feel that because it's just soaring above the clouds in the sunshine, enjoying life. And God tells us to rest in him and soar like eagles, on wings like eagles. And so when I do this art, I connect with the Father and I feel his pleasure. And I could go sometimes 16 hours and sometimes I don't even eat because I'm so focused on doing what I'm doing and spending time with the Lord in my art. But that's the way I find my rest in Him. What do you find? What makes you find rest in the Lord? Right? You've got to find things, the ways that you connect with God. Some more of the art. Like when I was painting the lion, God will speak to me about the lions. He's the lion of Judah. But he's also the lamb. And I grew up in Africa. Lions are scary things. They eat you. <laughs> right? And, but I, I had a dream once where I saw this humongous lion, kind of like Aslan in, in, in Narnia, right? And I had so much fear in me because of this lion, because I knew they eat you. But yet I was drawn to this lion because I knew it loved me. And I went to lay with my head against this lion's chest. But the whole time, I had this reverent fear for this lion, because at any minute it could turn around and eat me. And God has shown me what it was to have reverent fear of him. He's the lion of Judah, but he's also the lamb of God, and he loves you. And so I draw that line, and I think of what he sacrificed on the cross for us as a line of Judah. Drawing the, the woodpecker, you know, that was a pencil drawing there. The, the left one's an oil painting, the other one. But I'm drawing that woodpecker, and I'm just thinking, man, what an awesome bird. Headbangers. I used to be a headbanger when I was in the world, right, back in the 80s. I used to have long hair and earrings. I used to go headbanging and partying and doing all the things I shouldn't do, right? 
I was thinking the, the woodpecker is like a headbanger. He bangs his head against the tree as one he doesn't get brain damage. Well, then I go and look up in, on woodpeckers, and their tongue is actually wrapped around their brains to protect them from when they're packing on the tree. Right? So God is so awesome in his creation, he designed a woodpecker to have protection for his brain when it's banging its head against the tree. <laughs> and then I started learning more about God's creation, just how awesome, just the smallest de- details of the things that he thought about in creation, and it gives me pleasure, and it gives him pleasure knowing that I take pleasure in his creation and creating with him. So this is just what I do for, for peace. I find my rest in doing art. Poetry, God just gifted me in poetry. I have no clue why. I mean, I was like, I was a drill sergeant in the special forces in the South African military. I was a second-hand black belt in karate. I was a fighter on the streets, a roughing, right? And yet I've got poetry as a gift. What am I going to do with that? <laughs> Go and stand like Shakespeare in the corner of the road and say, blah, 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 blah. You're like, no. God gave me that gift to give back to him. Because in that I find rest and I find peace in the Lord. And so I'm going to end off with a poem that I, I wrote. And then uh, we're going to go into um, taking the elements together. It's, it's titled Morning Dew. And I, I used to keep a little journal with all the poems that I write to God. Kind of like David, right? David used to write the Psalms to, to God. And so I write my poems to God. Morning Dew. Crisp and cold hangs a vapor low. Fragrant essence begins to flow. As nightly shadows bitted you to brilliant sparkles of morning dew. Dawn awakens a floral display, a colorful spectrum in full array. The craftsman's work in full view to brilliant sparkles of morning dew. Life abounds in joyous gay to glistening streams of sunlit ray. Dawning mists now swirling new to brilliant sparkles of morning dew. Hope kindled in each soul alive, a masterpiece painted without contrive. To the son a carpenter on earth a Jew to brilliant sparkles of morning dew. The Father's love that will never die. His loving aroma fills the sky. Forgiveness hung on a tree for you, to brilliant sparkles of morning dew. So what draws you closer to God? What gives you the rest to the very depths of your soul, your being? Find that rest and spend time with the Father on your Sabbath day. However it looks, just don't do any work, right? Just chill out with the Lord. Chill out with your family, rest, recharge, and be ready to face the next week so you can be ready in season and out. Amen? So what we do as a community of believers, we get together and we partake in the communion. So what is communion? On the last supper, the night before Jesus was crucified, he broke bread with his disciples And he said that this bread represents his body that will be broken for them. And the wine represents his blood that will be shed for us and for the forgiveness of our sins. And so we partake together in communion if you're a believer. So if you love Jesus, we do that. And if you want to know Jesus today, you've never met him before, and you want to start following Jesus, you may join us this morning. And how we do this is we come forward in two lines, take a piece of the cracker, dip it into the wine, and then go back to your seats on the outside so we don't cause a traffic jam in the middle. And then we'll partake of the the elements together. So if you want to take communion, please do come forward. Broken your image.
There is no difference when I'll be covered over and over. You're not the sensible. I'll be a shelter. Again, the bread represents Jesus' body that was broken for us, for us. By his stripes we are healed. And the blood represents his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins, that we may have life eternal with him. So let's partake together. Jesus, thank you for what you accomplished on the cross, Lord, that you love us unconditionally. God, that we can have eternity, spend eternity in your presence. So, Father, we take these elements this morning in remembrance of you, and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. So if anybody feels that they need prayer uh, this morning, particularly if you need a fresh touch of God's love and uh, just the desire to, to feel his love, prayer for anything else, please do come forward. And so I release you, God bless you and keep you, and cause his face to shine upon you. Be blessed and enjoy your day together in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you.